0: Jim Filtrumade, 25 yards
1: out. Lovely ball for Pella. Onside. 1-0. The fast shot. Oh my word. He ran around a bit but Bambi on ice. Very, very embarrassing to watch.
0: And now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club. And all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markson. I'm the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, I hope that you enjoy it. And this week, I hope that you enjoyed the Super Bowl, whether it was making fun of the low score, whether it was the awful halftime performance by Maroon 5, which, by the way, Dave, yes, there was a time in my life that I thought I like, I like, I, I, I can sing some songs. Songs about Jane, I will sing it going down the freeway still um but you you shut your filthy mouth call me on that on instagram like that it's mean but anyway that's not why you're here you're here because Dan Adam and I uh talked about the two draws that we had we talked about some of the stuff that uh happened on social media in terms of Jack Stevens and some of the other stuff but um if you don't know Dan Adam Dan Adam is he lives in Malaysia he runs a premier league based account uh on instagram called prem worldwide he has run various Saints pages over the years, and that's actually kind of how I, I met him, was through he was running a page that I was uh, interacting with, and they were helping the show out, and it was all great. And, and Dan and I have stayed in contact, and he's a lovely person to talk to and get his ideas of, on the club, so uh, we did. And last weekend, uh, when there was no Saints game, we did an extra episode for the patrons who... Uh, joined over at patreon.com forward slash SFC delivery. And some of the stuff that they get includes additional episodes. And so that's what Dan and I did. We made an episode just for them. We previewed the palace match. We talked about the transfer window uh, at that point and some of the other stuff. So uh, it was nice of Dan to come back for kind of two in a row. And uh, if you are interested in getting stuff like the extra episode or maybe the private chat or just making sure your question gets answered on the show, uh, you can do that by going to the Patreon link in the show notes at, at patreon.com forward slash SFC delivery and just checking it out. Um, but really you listening is is more than enough for me. So no, no pressure there. But um, just a couple of things before we move on to talk about, uh, you know, the rest of the show before we get to the interview. And, um, you know, this weekend or actually early on Monday, it looks like the plane that was carrying Emiliano Salah was found and um, just sending thoughts and prayers, I guess, is one of these things that, you know, maybe it doesn't mean anything and maybe it's, you know, it's a somewhat of a meme at some point, but really that is somebody's brother or son or husband or loved one. And just, you know, it's everybody out there that's dealing with that. I, I I hope that they're all right. Um, and it will definitely be on the minds of, of the players and the fans of Cardiff City. And, uh, you know, as we come into a game with that, I just think it's maybe something we should. We should think about it. Neil Warnock was obviously uh, shaken up a little bit. Uh, he was definitely thinking about it at the end of that match uh, last weekend. So we'll see um, how they come into it. And on a note slightly closer to home, I mean, I never saw Emiliano Sala play, but it doesn't doesn't make it any less hurtful for those people who are, uh, you know, his family members and his friends and stuff like that. So I hope that they are all okay. Okay. Um, but here in the States, um, a man by the name of Daryl Grove, who is one of the co-hosts of the Total Soccer Show, uh, was recently diagnosed with cancer, and they have set up a GoFundMe page. And I can just tell you that, that he didn't want the GoFundMe page set up. It was set up. Um, somebody convinced him to do it. They set a relatively low target. It was hit and taken and de- dealt with in a couple of hours. And they have since you know, uh, been more open to the idea of increasing that so they have done and uh, just if you at all can contribute to the to the cancer treatment uh, for Daryl, that would be it would mean a lot to me. And I actually would rather you do that than um, contribute to the Patreon or anything else like that. Uh, And in fact, the money for that I get this month for Patreon is going to go to that. Uh, My wife and I have donated um, because we have some family members who have dealt with cancer and it's a nasty Nasty thing, so um anyway that's that's where that is at. that is not the most positive of uh, news, but it was very nice to see um, a lot of the people all around the soccer media football media come together and support Daryl, who has done a lot um the show the Total Soccer Show is a fantastic show, and it's uh if you don't uh, haven't listened to it and you live in the states, maybe maybe give it a try. it's well worth it, but um obviously, the show's a little different right now with Daryl going through that, so anyway. I don't want to take up a bunch of your time, but I do want to put those things out there. Um, but if you are here, thank you for listening. I hope that you uh, enjoy my conversation with Dan Adam. Uh, remember, he is at Prem Worldwide, and here is our conversation. Thank you so much for listening. I'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Dan Adam. Dan runs the Premier League Worldwide account. It's at Prem Worldwide on Instagram. He's a Saints fan living in Malaysia and we're here to talk about, you know, the two matches we had over the, over the, over the week, uh, two draws to the teams around us, Crystal Palace and Burnley. And, uh, we'll talk about his account, the transfer window and answer some questions, but first things first, Dan, welcome to the show. Uh, you were on the show last week to do the Patreon only episode, but you're back to do, uh, uh I guess I don't want to call it the big show, but the normal show, whatever it is, you're, you're here.
1: Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's good to be back.
0: Yeah. And this is, um, different recording time uh so we're, we're trying new things we're pushing ourselves to new pushing our limits here in the new year so i think it'll be I think it'll be good and uh i guess i don't know i just before we get into like any real specifics i mean hassen Huddles unbeaten in the new year right I, or do we have reason yeah. to kind of celebrate a little bit
1: yeah but let's just say we could have done better in my opinion
0: fair enough fair enough we'll get into it but um for people who don't know, uh, you run Prem Worldwide on Instagram and I mean, I met you when you were running kind of a, a different account and, um, funny enough, I think one of those guys is now, uh, I just started talking to Josh, I believe it is again. So yep. it's, um, it's all kind of coming back, but, uh, you know, for you running that account, um, I guess first of all, what made you decide to to, to go out and, and branch off of just a Saints account to run an uh, an account that to attempt to kind of cover the entire Premier League?
1: Well, I used to be running the Saints FC page on Instagram, and um, I grew up pretty fast on that, but eventually it slowed down, and it was always the same, always the same game break reviews and everything. So, I mean, I still post on that sporadically, but I thought you know, there's more growth potential on a Premier League account. There's more people you can talk to, more a wider fan base and everything. And yeah, I mean, been pretty successful so far. I'm already at three K.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And congratulations. That was the, it's a, it's a big milestone in terms of just challenges for running a, an account that, you know, I, I, I will be honest. I tend to fall behind sometimes on news with the team. Um, I kind of make pretty clear that it's yeah, my Instagram, my Twitter. That's not, it's not a, it's not a news account. Like I'm not trying to break stories or be the first one in and, uh, and I think people recognize that and I, I don't know. I just try I, the thought of, of possibly trying to keep tabs on the entire league kind of, I don't know. It blows me away a little bit.
1: Yeah. I mean, I do keep up with like the BBC sport and everything, but, um, it's, I, I, I only post like big news. Like sometimes you you could call it clickbait, but it's not clickbait because it's like for real, right? It's it's real. It's not like fake stuff. And, um, but yeah, I post a lot of stuff. I just read the BBC sport. It's, it's not that hard because I mean, I am on Instagram a lot of the time when I don't I have free time, but yeah, I mean, it's, I enjoy it because I get reminded because sometimes I think, ah, oh, you know, I missed this opportunity. So I just, I just read up on the news and then I, if I see anything, I just post it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, like you said, if you're enjoying it and you know, it keeps you up to date with what's going on and that's something that you are you know, I get, like I said, if you're if this is something you're enjoying, then I think it's totally, it's totally worth it. But, it, I mean, are there challenges for you living, you know, outside of the UK with all of that stuff going on in terms of time and stuff like that?
1: I mean, uh, yeah, like my my sleeping schedule is is botched at the moment because last <laughs> night I was watching football, right? And I'm in a I'm in GMT plus eight at the moment. So when the 3 p.m. matches for you guys are at 11 for me. So what I do is I watch those games and then I post after that. And then my sleep schedule is stupid because, like, I go to sleep at like 4 a.m. sometimes just to watch the football I enjoy. And, um, yeah, anyway, it, it's it's kind of a problem because on school nights, you can't exactly post when everybody's awake. Right. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I make do with it.
0: Yeah, you you got to you got to do it. And I, I tend to think that the the schedule actually helps me a little bit because it, it it keeps me it allows me to watch the things that I enjoy watching without kind of infringing on a lot of uh of time that I would normally spend with my family. Whereas if I watch American sports, baseball for instance, uh it's on every night during dinner, uh it makes it difficult to to help the kids with homework and and do all that stuff. Um and right now it's basically I take one evening a week uh, like late Monday evenings I'll finish up the podcast before it goes out on Tuesday morning but other than that um, you know I'm around which is nice um, but yeah I mean Saints have had kind of a busy kind of uh, period here I mean the, the January transfer window is something that I, I, I don't like I don't like the transfer window and not because I don't think we need players or I don't think players need to go other places I just in terms of all the noise that happens within the media and all the rumors and stuff like that. Sometimes I get uh, uh, quite annoyed with it, but I am glad that it's over. But I mean, looking back at our transfer window, really it's just been players out, right? I mean, there was no, we didn't make a signing. And so I I guess for, for you, when you look at the players who have left and what the goals were of the club and, and kind of stated that he wanted to trim the squad a little bit. Um, and that he wanted only kind of a player that was going to have an impact long-term. You know, are you, are you okay with how it happened or do you, you know, you really think we're going to regret not signing someone?
1: Honestly, I think we should have signed Shea Adams and we should have just thrown money at him because like we have Ings as a doubt again. Now he has, he's barely been back for two games or three games and he's already a doubt. So honestly, I think, I think we should have signed a striker just to cover because obviously Obafemi is, he needs to improve. Let's just leave it like that. He is good. He's got potential, but he needs to adapt. And um, and obviously we have Long, but Shane Long is Shane Long. He's not going to change. So I, um, I think we should have solved that in in January. But honestly, I think the squad's better now because we've trimmed a lot of the wages. We can probably start to afford someone in the summer. And I think not many people will agree with me that we should have signed someone. They'll think we should have signed someone. Sorry, just to clarify myself here. Yeah. And um, I, I think we're fine not signing anyone for the time being because, to be fair, Bednarek, Ward-Prowse, they've, they've, Redmond even, they've practically been new signings since Ralph came in. They've been completely different players, if you ask me. And even Valerie. Valerie can be considered as a signing from the academy because, to be fair, he's he's obviously got lower wages than Cedric. He's got good defensive qualities. And, yeah, he needs to mature, but he he's a good player, right? And he came out of nowhere. So... I pretty much think we need oh we've got all the players we need, and that we didn't exactly need any signings because we've practically got a new squad, a new style of play, and new players, thanks to Ralph,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean Ralph's impact has been undeniable, right? There's no way you can you can look at our squad and look at our season and not give him a ton of credit for how some of these guys are playing and i I do understand the the want and the desire to sign a player, especially when you look at some of the people we have playing up front. Um, you know, the, uh, in, in terms of a real goal threat, Redmond's come on strong, but he, I don't think we would normally consider him to be a second striker. I think normally we would consider him to be a, a wide player. Right. And then Do
1: you think he's playing well as striker more as a center forward, to be honest, right?
0: Yes, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I think he's been playing fine, but I, I would prefer like a three, four, three versus a three, five, two. Um, if, in terms of in in, in having Redmond and Armstrong kind of a little bit wider, maybe tucked in a little bit to allow the wingbacks to get forward, but um, I I'm not sure I necessarily like Redmond directly behind the striker, kind of in that center forward role. Um, but I think he's I think he's been playing good. What about what about you? I mean, are you or what are your thoughts on him in terms of where he fits positionally?
1: Um, well, I mean, obviously he's been scoring a lot of goals recently, right? As mm-hmm. Evans against Derby. Against obviously Burnley, against Huddersfield, he's in the more advanced role he's played instead of the left mid position under Pellegrino, Hughes and Quirrell, and all them. He's he's been much more of an of an attacking threat in my opinion, and his pace is is a really good thing in our squad because he's fast. He provides a lot of he provides a lot of strength and like power in the in the middle, and he allows people to get forward. And another thing I've noticed is people um. People in our team—they're not exactly that good at ball control. Like you look at Stevens; he's—he's kind of clumsy. Best of God. I mean, yeah, they're good. But what I noticed last night is Redmond, when he has the ball, the ball sticks to his feet no matter where he goes. He's a really good dribbler, uh-huh. and I—I um, I think he's exactly who we need in the middle, it's just to like drive play forward, get past players. You know what I mean? And I don't know about everyone else, but I think he's really well used in the middle at the moment. I think
0: that's fair points. Um, but well. I guess we'll come on to him and his performance uh, against Burnley uh, a little later, um, but, but just looking down the list of of some of the players that have gone so far um, in in the window of Gabbiadini was sold to Sampdoria, um, Cedric goes out on loan to Inter, Hesketh goes out on loan to MK Dons, Seager, uh, free transfer to Yeovil Town, which I mean, let's face it, he wasn't really getting near the team anyway. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he Steven- was all Steven Davis uh, to to Rangers and then Hoot uh, to Celta Vigo. Um, I mean, of those players, I guess which one leaves the biggest hole in in the team uh, in whatever, and you can kind of take that question however, you, however you'd like.
1: Personally, I think Cedric. I mean, I mean, I don't know about you, but Cedric was like, I, I believe in strength and depth. And if Valerie gets injured or suspended, then we've kind of got a problem, obviously, because like, Obviously, Ramsey is good, right? And he was really good against Man City. But the lack of depth we have in the wing back position, considering we're playing a 3-5-2, is, is pretty low. And now that we've like, gotten rid of Cedric, like why get rid of Cedric on loan if you're not going to sell him? Like Yeah, the board tried, but why not just deny the deal? Why, why not just sell him? Because we're still paying some of his wages because he's out on loan. And I simply don't understand why the club would do that. They've gotten rid of Wesley... I mean, like, yeah, he wasn't going to get any playing time under Ralph, but our defensive options are getting thinner and thinner and thinner. And we still haven't signed that center back in January that we thought we needed. So I I think it was a bad move and that Cedric leaves a hole in the squad because our, our defensive options are obviously just getting smaller and smaller.
0: You know, and I, I could be wrong in terms of, of the reason some of these guys didn't get sold. And I think part of it is is you look at some of the wages that they're on and and I don't, I'm not sure teams can, can absorb them, you know, especially in this window. And then at the same time, I think you run into f- some financial fair play stuff where teams are going to need to be, they're going to need that purchase to go through next season, basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, you know, I know that that Hoot has the, you know, they have, uh, Celta Vigo has the option to buy. So based on kind of how it goes and, and what it looks like, if he's, if he's going to go there permanently, uh, I don't know if that works. I know we're under obligation to buy. We are, Danny Ings, like he's already ours but i yep. think i think that also probably has something to do with financial fair play in terms of liverpool when they need that money to cash in uh for maybe some of their some of their stuff so um you know it's it's all there's probably a lot of it that i don't understand but it uh it does look different when you just put give people out on loan because you're not really you're not recouping uh you know the fee that you paid for them and you're still likely subsidizing their wages which is never kind of what you want if you're trying to uh, I, I guess really trim permanently so for so you can replace. Um mm-hmm. but I mean at the same time, you know, Ralph's not working with them now. Ralph's gonna work with the players that we have. Um uh, and, and you mentioned kind of uh you know Valerie I think has been super important, but uh, you look at it's him and Ramsey at that at that right uh wing back position now. Uh it's target and I think target until Bercher comes back and I don't know when that's gonna be. And so that's
1: looking- to be next game
0: actually, yeah. Well, I mean, I was looking at Adam Blackmore. He had said that uh, you know he Bertrand had been back for training for uh, you know some time, and he hadn't yet gotten into the team. And it was just kind of like, well, there was no news coming out whether he's not fit all the way or whether Hasan Hul just preferred to go with 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 Target or if there was some sort of conflict or whatever. So it's just like, man, I hope, I hope, I hope he comes back into the team when he is ready and you know, plays well. Cause I think, I mean, targets, maybe, maybe I'll just say this, the, the fan base sometimes seems to, um we seem to turn on players relatively quickly. And I and, agree
1: with that bang on.
0: And it sometimes it's, I mean, it's understandable. I I was frustrated today, but there were a lot of people that were getting on Stevens. I think a lot of people are getting on uh target, you know, a couple of games ago. And I think some of the things that he's done on the left side um have been just fine. Like he, he delivers a good ball. He gets forward. Um, you know, sometimes he loses, he loses the ball sometimes, but I mean, it's, it's kind of what, what I I don't know. It's kind of expected, I think, but, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll come on to that with, uh, when we get talking about today's match, because I think, um, the Stevens things needs to be kind of addressed, but if we can kind of think back to, to, to midweek here, uh, against crystal palace at home, we managed to beat them under Hughes. Uh, we beat them under Puel. Both games, I think, were away. And you know, I just thought that coming into the game, this is one of the first games I wasn't able to watch because of the the new work schedule. So uh, I was I was thoroughly frustrated. But it, you know, you just kind of got to deal with it. Um, yep. the The team comes out with what uh, uh, looked to be a three five two. You had Ward Prowse, Romeo and Hoiberg all. Playing in the middle with Redmond and Ings up top, um, but coming into that game, you know, obviously we wanted to to pick up some points against Crystal Palace because it would help put some uh, another team between us and the relegation zone, and some more distance between us and uh, and the drop. So uh, when you saw that team, was there anybody in that team or anything there that you were maybe questioning, or were you okay with that?
1: I thought the game was pretty important, and thing is, I th- I didn't think we played very well for the first seventy minutes until we kicked into gear finally. And that priority goal was really undeserved, in my opinion. Like, I, I personally think we deserve to lose, even though I want us to win. But I think we were really lucky with a the point there, so we gained a point instead of dropping two. If you ask me,
0: yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty fair. I mean, through the first half, you know, I wasn't I wasn't overly impressed. We looked kind of flat, and if you think back to uh, we, we've had some performances like this under Hassan Huddle, and I don't think it has anything to do with him. I think it has to do with kind of carry over from uh from previous managers from previous styles. And I just yeah. thought that with that lineup that we didn't we didn't quite have enough going forward, which is not, not something I enjoy saying given that we had Redmond and Ings in and Hoyberg, who generally has been pushing forward quite a bit this this season and really driving us forward, I think. But the we seem to be slow on the ball. We seem to be passing willing to pass it sideways. Willing to pass it backwards and not really taking chances going forward, and so uh, I don't know. I I guess it would look a little bit similar to to how we looked against West Ham uh, when we played them at home in the Premier League earlier, and it just didn't. We just looked flat. It just didn't. Didn't we weren't there. And you know, I kind of when I watch games live, I always think I pay more attention than if I have seen the score and I'm watching it back you know, the kids are walking in the room there or doing whatever, or I'm falling asleep as I'm watching cause I'm trying to watch it late at night, whatever it is. And so, you know, as you, when you said, we didn't, we didn't play very well. We're kind of lucky to get a point. The, the, the goal comes from against the run of play. I kind of have to agree with you. I, that, that, that is what I noticed. I wasn't sure if I was, if I was just misreading the situation, but um, you know, I, I, yep. I wasn't, I would have expected better, but at the end of the day, we got a point. We'll take it because, uh, I got one way you can look at it, I guess in a, in a kind of a different light is, Hey, we didn't play well and we still managed to get a point, you know, where, whereas that some people say that's what you need to do. And you have to manage to get, get points and take things when you're kind of not on your best day. And I think maybe we did that so we can take a positive that way. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I I'm trying to think about, all of the different things that happened in that match, and i I, I want to say that we looked a little bit better when we made the switch and pulled valerie when and we kind of switched up the uh, the formation slightly. I think we we became a little stronger when we did that,
1: yeah, I mean, Valerie's more defensive, right? He's not exactly like Cedric like he puts crosses in the box and everything. I mean, yeah, sometimes he goes up, but he's not he's not a wingback type. He's more of a sturdy right back in my opinion, so by taking off Valerie, we decreased the defensive. Capability and we increased the offensive one, and by increasing the attack, I, I think we eventually started to look at that goal. If you ask me,
0: yeah, I, and I think part of it was you know we we put right we put uh, James Ward-Prowse back in the right wing back position, and then I just think it allowed a little bit more creativity in in midfield with um, with with Armstrong, I believe, coming in and maybe getting to go f- uh, further forward a little bit, and uh, I I don't know, I just think that that really helped and. Valerie I think I, I was going to say I, I I've been impressed with him as a as a wing back. I haven't been as impressed with his defending in a back 4 um even though I mean, he played in the right wing back position he absolutely um you know kept Hazard in in his pocket all match against Chelsea so yeah. uh, his defensive abilities are definitely there but for some reason maybe it's positionally, maybe it's not having the extra cover of of the right-sided center back in a 3 uh when he plays in a 4 maybe that that is part of the uh, of what games some trouble but it just seems like in those instances where we've switched to a back 4 he hasn't looked as comfortable uh I'm sure that'll come with time but um you know a- another thing that I noticed with uh with Palace is you know Zaha gets fouled all of the time and he is you yeah. know one of the most fouled players in the Premier League and there were some fouls on him Bednarak had one on him um uh, and a couple other guys, we just kind of left left it in on him a little bit, and I was you kind of noticed the game getting more and more chippy, you know, with in, in terms of uh, of players putting tackles in and maybe leaving it in a little bit. And I don't know, I don't know if you'd picked up on that when you were watching or not.
1: Uh, yeah, I did. I mean, uh, I mean, relating to your earlier point, I think Valerie needs the leadership of a three man defense because yeah, he's a youth player and. He, he he needs to be able to be supported a it. You know, he can't exactly handle an entire left wing on his own. So when he's on the right back position, I personally think he needs a bit of support. Yeah. But I agree with what you said overall.
0: I mean, looking at uh at palace's goal, I guess is a, is a good kind of place to go yeah. from here. I will say that I've been gen- generally, I've been impressed with Vestigard. I think he's been solid enough. Uh, he is not maybe I mean he's not Van Dyke. I don't expect him to be Van Dyke. Um, but he
1: For sure he's much better on De Hazen O'Toole than Hughes. We yes. we can be sure of that, can't we?
0: Yes, yes. And and I, I think he's I I think he's fitted in nicely. But uh, uh for the Palace goal, um I know Romeu uh, I mean, all the commentators here were talking about the the wonderful refereeing that we saw because he played advantage and allowed Zaha to get a shot away, even though Romeo fouled Townsend. Um, but I think one thing that you may, may not see is Vestergaard gets completely turned the wrong way. Um, the, the touch yeah. that I'm not sure who it was, whether it was IU or Cuyate or whoever it was, but that uh, touch, it,
1: was Cuyate, yeah.
0: it just took Vester. I mean, Vestergaard literally took two steps the opposite direction, um, on that turn. And it was, it was, I mean, you don't see that very often. And so I think we can say whatever we want about, you know, maybe maybe McCarthy has to do better. Maybe, you know, whatever it is. But I think Vestergaard has to has to look at himself there and go like, you know, I allowed that guy the space. And granted, his ball doesn't come; it doesn't go anywhere, right? I think that ball yeah, gets. I'm
1: to- it Right now, actually, and to be fair, it, once the Kuyate got past him and passed it in, he stood standing. He was um he was walking. He was looking at the goal the whole time, and when the ball went in the goal, he didn't even react. He just kept walking towards the goal. So I think maybe uh, maybe he has I don't know I mean, you can't see his face exactly but maybe he has to put a bit more effort into it if you ask me.
0: You can't get turned like that but not 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 in your own area. And granted, maybe he's protecting the guy from going you know towards towards the center where he has a better uh, or more of an I guess more of an angle on McCarthy or more goal to shoot out whatever it is. But he just got it just looked bad when I saw the replay. That's what I was drawn to, and um, I think. You know, I'll give him praise when when it's there and when he he deserves it. But that I think was uh maybe as responsible for the goal as anything else was was that little thing right there. But um, I don't know other things that that stood out to you in that first half, other than maybe I mean for me it was the 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 chippiness, especially for us. I think I thought you know p- perhaps Stevens should have potentially. Been in some trouble, I guess, uh, for a tackle on Townsend. I don't know. I don't know what you made about that
1: in the first half. I think the biggest deal was when Bednarek cleared it off the line. He's already done that like what two or three times. That's true. So man it, it's it's really it's really lucky that we have him, and he's obviously really good. Like considering he didn't even play under Hughes, it's absolutely amazing to see the transformation we've seen in him as a player. And the first half really showed that because he was really willing. He was probably the best player in our back line that game, and yeah it was um it it was really like his defensive performances are really good in my opinion especially in the first half it showed
0: yeah and I think Bednarak was in let's see it was the European team of the month for for January he was ranked the best center back out of out of everybody in Europe in terms of his performances so um you know it's not going unnoticed um yeah and He's
1: definitely in uh, a play team of the weeks so yeah
0: I went ahead and just quote tweeted that uh, him being in there with, um, sent it to Mark Hughes, manager extraordinaire on Twitter. Apparently that's not what his account is, which is fine. Um, (laughs) But I I just wanted him to see it. I I thought about sending it to the wrong Mark Hughes, just sending it to all the Mark Hugheses, but I didn't think they would appreciate that so much. So I I decided just to go with with what I did. But um, I don't know. Going into halftime down one nil, I thought, That's, that was probably fair. Maybe we could have been down even more than that. Uh, But I didn't think we looked good and I wasn't really sure we were going to get back into it. And under my notes here, I just kind of have like, you know, uh, positives. I couldn't really think of any, uh, which is not never a great sign. Uh, and then, and under negatives, I have sloppy, slow and, and no, or few chances created. And
1: yeah, we were a bit lethargic, weren't we?
0: Yeah. And once again, that we had another instance where we had a lot of possession. And we didn't do anything with it. We split possession evenly with Palace, whereas some of the games that we've been best under Hassan Hudel we have basically played without the ball for a lot of it. And I think that when we when we play that way, it forces us to be kind of more precise and more um, more incisive and, and actually use it with purpose. Whether whereas we when we just have the ball and we're not doing any like it, it allows us to just maybe become complacent just having it. You know.
1: Hmm. Especially against um, what was it against Arsenal? We had almost no possession of the ball, but we made sure that we used all the pos- all the possession we had to make chances. And if we keep doing that, if we manage to get used to doing that, then honestly, I think we'll be fine. But we need to keep up that form instead of the form we had against Palace because that was really that was really mediocre, if you ask me.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I guess I I want to come to the Zaha red card really really quickly. Um. He gets two yellows in the matter of a, of a couple of seconds after the, uh, I guess the the mix up or the coming together with James Ward Prowse and then sarcastically clapping the referee. Um, I mean, from a from my perspective, I I obviously want him to get riled up because he's on the opposition and I think that if he does that, he'll make a mistake perhaps. But in his defense, I mean we were kicking the crap out of him all game, right? Like, I mean, yeah. that's, it, it, it wasn't just me seeing that.
1: No, no, no. I, I agree because a lot of people target him because he's really easy to, uh, he's really easy to target because obviously he's a really good player. Right. And if if you don't follow him, he's going to go around you. He's going to, he's going to trick you and go around you and all that. So I think he's obviously a target because otherwise he gets past you. But otherwise, I mean, yeah, it's kind of unfair on him, and he's got he's got a point when he complains about people, but yeah, I mean, the the goal silenced all the haters and it, it just proves why everyone wanted to tackle him because he's really effective.
0: He is, he is. And there are players that I enjoy watching that are on teams that I dislike. Um I For example For example, Wilfred Zaha, um and now um, uh, you know, all of our players that have gone to Liverpool. Uh, <laughs> because <laughs> I, I just think that that Zaha is one of those players though that he himself can spark life into a game and he himself can be like if you watch Crystal Palace you can you can get away with just watching him play uh you don't yeah, exactly. I mean? and um whereas even if you watch Mane or somebody else you know there are other people that are attracting your attention on the field where uh, but for Zaha it's him and Uh, so I, you know, I, every once in a while I will watch a game if I know that he's had kind of a highlight reel of a game and, and, or I think he's going to be running at a defender that isn't, uh, isn't maybe as good as, as, as somebody else. But, um, but yeah, but anyway, he, he missed this weekend's match as well, because obviously he had the red card. So, um, deal with that because it's his own fault. Um. Even though we and and we, I think we should point out the, the James Ward Prowse uh, kind of uh, not not quite celebration, um, but definitely definitely was egging him on a little bit, which I thought was was good because that's something we haven't seen from him. I uh, always thought of him yeah, being,
1: and it's also good because it shows passion, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, one thing about about the line, going back to the lineup for Crystal Palace, there was no Austin in the lineup. Uh, fast forward to today, uh, or. Saturday. What I don't even know where we're at at this point in time. Uh, when we're talking, it's it's late Saturday night for me. It's Sunday afternoon for you. Um, yeah. It's middle of the night for everybody in the UK. So here we go. Um, but fast forward to to Saturday's team away at Burnley. Um, Austin's back on the bench. There's no Hoiberg because he suffered the uh, the injury. The he- class of heads, I, I guess, is what's keeping him out. Uh, I assume. Um, but it looks like we went 3-4-3, three, three maybe. Uh, Slattery starts. Armstrong, Redmond, Ings up top. Uh, Long and Austin on the bench. Um, anything there that, that shocked you? Any, anybody that maybe you didn't think deserved to be in the team? Or what, how did you feel about Slattery getting his, his full Premier League debut?
1: Personally, I think uh, Slattery was really good on the ball. He was passing it around well. He did his job. And Austin wasn't in the lineup for the Palace game, most likely because he was trying to get a move away, right? But now that he's confirmed staying at us until the summer, obviously he um, he was back in the lineup because if you're at a club, you've got to play, right? And if he's a good player like we have, then you you might as well keep him because and you might as well play him because what's the point of not playing a good player? You know what I mean? So now that he's staying with us, I wasn't surprised that he was on the bench. But if Ings is injured, I'd rather see him than long play, to be honest.
0: I mean, are you good with him going even given the... I guess this, the kind of system and the style of play that, that Hanson likes I mean, granted. I don't, I don't, I, I think we tend to, to slate his, his fitness a lot when in reality, he's probably in better shape than 99 and a half percent of everybody who watches him play. Um, but he's just, I mean, everybody's built differently and, and whatever. So he, he doesn't quite seem like he can do it for 90 minutes. Does that worry you at all?
1: I think he's more of a 60 minute striker, like Aguero at Man City. You know what I mean? but um I I think we should keep him but the thing is he doesn't exactly fit into Hasenhuettel's style of play because he's um he's more of that like robust striker he doesn't really run around a lot he's just there to tap in the goals and and hit really good headers if he needs to right and he's not really that kind of like pressuring guy so honestly I don't think it would be a big loss if he left because there's better strikers who could fit Hasenhuettel's system but If we don't have any other better alternatives, I think Austin's a good player to start with.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, mean, just, I guess, right from the, uh, right from the beginning of the match, the, I mean, Burnley started okay. They started pretty quickly. Um, Stevens had a a pretty good intervention. I think he blocked across cross, and Vestergaard came across to clear. Um, They had a header early on, and, people were questioning whether or not McCarthy would be in for uh, the match and he started again.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think McCarthy's starting to get a bit lethargic as well. I think we should start gun now because if you would have looked at the penalty from Burnley, uh, he didn't even move. He didn't even put in any effort. So like if, if you ask me, I think it's time for a new fresh face to show him that he has competition and that, um, and that if he isn't going to do well, that there is pressure on him to do well. So if we start Gun and he puts in performances like he did against Chelsea, I don't think we'll have a problem in goalkeeping.
0: Yeah, I mean McCarthy didn't have a great game today, and yeah. I'm I'm not sure. I think he's had a couple now, and there have been there have been people on him, and I know we've talked about it before, time and time again, that have have called for him to be removed and called for Gun to be in. And I always was kind of like I, you know, I think it's too early. I think I think McCarthy has been fine. If you look at the goals that we've conceded, I'm not sure you can blame it on him. I think it's the defense. blah, Blah blah blah. But I mean, today. I mean, he just had he had a pretty bad game. He didn't. He didn't look good. He didn't look confident. He didn't look confident midweek against Palace, um, and and it just continued today. And he made. I want to. Say, I think he made a mistake coming out for for that ball when I think he should have given away a penalty. Um,
1: yeah, I think they deserved a penalty on that. I, I I thought Anthony Taylor was really harsh on them, to be honest.
0: I I, I want to buy Anthony Taylor a drink or 6 because you know
1: I was going to I was actually going to tweet man Anthony Taylor is my favorite ref in the prem but then he goes and gives that penalty to Burnley in the <laughs> so then I, I deleted that drop. you know what I mean <laughs> Yeah
0: yeah well at halftime I I think I did tweet you know does anybody know what his favorite type of favorite drink is cuz we own a couple I think um and uh you know but maybe maybe that comes back into play at the end of the at the end of the match there and uh there was one image I saw uh, we'll we'll talk about it, but it looked like Crouch maybe had a a, a firm grasp on the back of uh, Steven's jersey, maybe pulling him backwards, causing his arm to go up in the air, causing the and then he heads it down onto his own onto his arm, and like, you know, who knows? But um, anyway, I, I thought Slattery looked pretty good. I thought he got forward a lot. I thought he was uh, he made some runs, and we we kind of I, I thought other than maybe the first five to seven minutes, I thought we we looked the more dominant team most of the first half. Uh, and then kind of same thing in the second half. I thought we looked, I thought we were the better team for, for the majority of, of the game. And I thought the team were moving the ball pretty quickly. Um, I thought the passing was pretty good. And I thought that there were a couple of chances for us to really, to get on top. But I thought it started to kind of fall apart when Ings w- went off, when he went off injured and long came on, I think it took time for Long to get into the game, and I think that at that point, that's when Burnley started to kind of maybe regain a foothold in the match.
1: Yeah, 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 especially when, you know, because Ings always drives back, he he brings other people into the game, and he allows us to move forward as well. So I think Long was more like a, Long is technically a long ball player. He'll chase a long ball. Mm-hmm. He'll run at defenses, which we all obviously know, and he's, he's more of a tool to, like, tire down defenses and also he's a good super sub because when defenses are already tired, he can run them out even more. But, um, yeah, the, the game started to go, it it started to go a bit downhill when long wasn't playing for sure. Uh, so when long was playing for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and we kind of touched on it already, but like that McCarthy decision to come out for, come for that ball and not get anything on it. I mean, There was some discussion on the commentary that perhaps the Burnley striker, even though McCarthy doesn't get the ball because maybe the Burnley striker kind of looks for the contact and kind of falls over him on purpose trying because the ball has gone kind of around him and past him. Um, But I'll be honest that when I saw it, I thought that was a penalty and McCarthy's getting a card.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was was pretty unfair on Burnley, if you ask me, to be honest. All right.
0: Um, Second half. Obviously the goal from redmond was was the thing of beauty and once again I think um a good example of the things that he's been able to do this season that maybe he wasn't he didn't have last season i mean he he picked up the ball deep he turned he ran um this is for some of the fans that pointed out that I didn't recognize that he you know put it through jack cork's legs uh yeah, prior yeah, to putting, trying to putting that but I only do that because jack cork has children and you know, we don't need to to embarrass the man like that. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, R. I. P. Jack Cork because that happened on on television. And then Nathan scored. <laughs> At that point, when we're up one nothing, I be, oh, I only asked this question because for so long, whenever we were up one nothing, we were almost sure we were going to give it up. Cedric even said it. When you know, we we have a lead, we don't think we're going to hold it. At this point, when we go up one nothing, do you think we're going to hold it?
1: I mean, I sure thought we were. We were looking solid, like like against Leicester, right? We held the lead. I mean, it wasn't exactly one-nil, but um, it was it, it was a good lead. We kept that lead, and like under Hasenotz, we have been more defensively sturdy. So I thought we were going to keep it, and then all of a sudden, I see Jack Stevens uh, hand the ball out of out of Crouch's way, and I thought, ah, oh, great, nah, yeah, we cocked it, right? Yeah. So honestly, yeah, I, I mean it's hard. I mean, every team, every team ruins elite sometimes, but I think that's something we still have to work on more like psychologically in the end of the game. Yeah.
0: And and as bad as McCarthy was today and is, as kind of dreadful as some of his dis- decision-making was, and he did make a pretty good save uh, as Burnley were pushing for the equalizer, uh, kind of a close range uh, moment. But um, you know, Burnley had some chances late on. They were really, they were really driving forward and pushing forward. And, uh, I was hoping we we're going to be able to hit them on the break. And, and, we just never quite, uh, did it. We never quite got it down. Um, and then, you know, all the jokes about Peter Crouch coming, coming in. Um, we know what they're going to do. They, I, Burnley grew in confidence as they just realized, Hey, now we can just stick balls in the box and, and hope and, and it definitely causes some trouble because now instead of us having the three biggest players on the on the pitch we 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 don't we're not even we don't have the single biggest player on the pitch anymore and yeah. you know even though Vestergaard is a big dude like Crouch is just i mean the guy is so he's so he's so tall like it's just ridiculous and so
1: skinny as well.
0: yeah and it's yeah and it's it's uncomfortable to look at almost
1: <laughs> yeah
0: um, I say that as a five foot seven, 210 pound uh, individual.
1: And I say that as a six foot three guy.
0: <laughs> well, really? Damn, I hate you. Um, <laughs> I just like squats, I guess. That's it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I go to the gym sometimes, to be fair. Um,
0: but, I mean, on that, on, on the penalty, you know, I, I think in light of kind of everything that had happened throughout the game, is as angry as I was that it happened then as angry as I, 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 am not, I'm not sure it's a penalty. I'm not sure it's not a foul on crouch. I'm not sure that I am almost sure there's no intention there uh, for Stevens to, to get the ball with his, with his arm. Uh, It's close range and all this other stuff. But I think that if you kind of add up all of the instances that went against Burnley, like we were talking about earlier, um, I, I think maybe it's fair. I think it all kind of evens out.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, they had a lot of opportunities, right? And we, and we, and to be fair, we got lucky with the original decision in the half, to be fair, but um, I guess in the end it was fair, the result. I mean, like, I'm not happy with it, obviously, but right, right. I'll, I'll take it, you know?
0: For sure. No, no, it was, um, I was trying to explain to my father-in-law earlier today that, um, you know, had the first one been given, had the first penalty been given and had they put that away, than for us to come back and score and the game in that way. And this last penalty not be given. I think I feel a lot better. Uh, even though the result is the same, uh, even though it, it just, it, the, the points are the same, everything's the same. Just the feeling coming out of the game is different because this was almost the last kick of the game. And it just felt like you were a little hard. We almost to almost
1: had th- no time after that to change it, didn't we?
0: Right. Right. And But, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure we can. You know, I just try to be as objective as possible. Um, I want to be upset, but I I don't think I can be just because of uh, of this. But but one thing I. Yeah, I don't think I can be upset about it, really. But um, I don't know. Do you you have kind of before we move on to any questions? Do you have any kind of, I guess, last minute thoughts or anything else that stood out to you uh, about the match?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I feel we lost three points. Like, even though we we were we were lucky with the penalty. To be to be fair, we we did play well for the second half. We were the better team for sure. Mm-hmm. And Redmond's goal was definitely deserved, worthy of three points. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I was disappointed when we gave away the penalty, but fair play to Burnley. They put their backs into it, and yeah, honestly, I I think they deserved at least a point.
0: I guess the only negative from it from the from the week where we get two points and draw to those teams around us. And I think, I, I think if you look, if you look at where we're at, if you look at the table, I mean, those are the teams right around us. And although you should you want to beat them or whatever, they're around you for a reason. You know, they are essentially shown over the course of the season that they are about as good as you are. And so, we getting a draw with them is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, yeah. I guess you take a point away at a, at a, premier league ground. Uh, but you know, three points really would have helped, especially given, uh, some of the other things that happened over, over the midweek.
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of teams around us gained a lot of valuable points, but to be fair, we've got, a, we've got a lot of good games ahead of us. And I mean, the Arsenal game is winnable in my opinion. So I, I'm still looking forward.
0: I guess let's go ahead and move on to some questions. We'll go, we have a question from Patreon, which uh, all Patreon subscribers get uh, priority for having their questions answered on the show, but we'll get to that one because I think it fits um, in a little bit later better. Um, but this one comes from Tim Byzance, who's at Bizance on Instagram. And he says, by thinning the lineup or the squad without any replacements, are we bound for relegation by relying on youth to keep us up? So this question goes back to the, the transfer window uh, to- topic, I guess. But I mean, it sounds like Tim is, is down on, on the, on the idea and that we're, we're kind of putting ourselves in a really bad situation. Uh, how do you feel about that?
1: Um, well, Tim, I think, um, well, that's a tough question actually, because some of our youth is actually pretty good. And I think we're clearing up wages and everything to make room for the big summer Ralph wants and uh, big signing Ralph wants in the summer. So for now I think the youth is pretty much all we need, considering we have Alba Femi who's who's pacey and he can improve to be our number one striker along with Ings. I think Valerie's good, he's definitely starting eleven material. We have Slattery who's potentially starting eleven material. I don't I don't really think there's a problem with our youth because they're very capable themselves. But I think that instead of just like you said, selling the players and potentially going down. I think we're just saving up for that big signing Ralph wants in the summer because Ralph has said he prefers quality over quantity. And personally, I think he's going to go for uh, Jean-Kevin Augustin. And there have been insider reports saying that instead of Ravi Leipzig lowering their price, they're going to raise it. I heard Ralph potentially wants to pay the full fee for that, which could rise up to like £45 million. Pounds. And he's a very good striker, in my opinion. <laughs> it's a lot, but... um by selling Cedric and potentially Wesley as well in the summer and by using the Gabby Dini money, if we compare Augustin and Ings, I know it's a lot of money, but nowadays you have to pay money for a good striker. And yeah, I think Ings and Augustin would perfectly fit in Ralph's style of play. And I, I think we're just using youth to to make up for time to wait for that big signing to come in the summer.
0: Yeah, and for me, I'm not... I mean, I think I've seen enough in the in the team since Hassanil took over that I'm not essentially... Um, yeah, you know, I'm not really worried about relegation. And we were talking, uh, before, and the grant. This graphic will come out before the actual episode does, but we can talk about it anyway. Uh, through his first ten matches, including the Cardiff City match that he was only in charge for a couple of days beforehand, but uh, he's got four wins, three draws, three losses, Premier League only. Uh, so forty percent win percentage. He's got fifteen points. Uh, he's got a plus one goal difference. Uh, scored fourteen. Um, allowed thirteen, we're still in sixteenth position, but he's averaging a point and a half uh, per game. And if you average that out, if he if we were to hold that for the entire season, we'd wind up with something like fifty seven points. Um, and uh yeah, I mean, I mean, I'd be okay. I I don't think we would complain if we sat at the end of the, of the season with fifty seven points. It just sometimes given you know where you are in the league when it happens and and the way the points work out with other teams, it it doesn't feel as good. It doesn't look as good because you're still in, in 16th place even after, you know, I I guess we're essentially right back where we were when, when he took over from Hughes, but uh, you know, he's been, he's been a pretty, he's done, he's done a a good job. Uh, There's definitely been a change. So I guess I'm not necessarily worried about relegation right now. I am worried about, about pushing up the table. Um, uh, and you, know, you, you and I had a conversation about that on the, on the Patreon only podcast um, last week, but um, one thing kind of on the squad relation, it's not a listener question, but it's a question for me is, um, you know, Maya Ishida obviously his side lost to guitar in the, in the final of the, uh, the Asian cup, I think it was. Um, yep. And uh, it was kind of funny. One of the pages uh, on Instagram who was supporting Maya Ishida got accused of being the Japan page instead of the Southampton page which I thought was was hilarious um yes. <laughs> but but anyway um you know Yoshida's coming back now Stevens I thought handball aside today had been pretty good in the middle of that back 3 but, but yeah
1: people are easy to blame him to be honest I think he did a fair job he didn't exactly make a lot of mistakes before that did he
0: No no I didn't think so I thought he I, I think he's been great and um, I think, you know, Bednarak has, has been the one that has kind of had the big, the big time, the clearances off the line, the stuff like that. But he's a couple of times Stevens has saved him by coming across and 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 just cleaning up the mess or, you know, just tidying things up a little bit, which has been has been great. that's exactly what he needs to do. But with Yoshida coming back now, where do you where do you see Yoshida fitting in? Is is he going to replace uh, any of the back three now, or is he going to have to fight his way back into the team?
1: I think he's going to replace Jack Stevens. I mean, I don't know if it's the right decision, but prior to him leaving to the Asian cup, he was a starter, right? Yeah. And I, I think that's going to stay there because to be fair, Yashid is a really quality center back and he's really underrated. In my opinion, he's, he's probably one of the best center backs we have maybe like on the level of Benarek, maybe a little less, like some people won't agree with me, but I think he's just as good as Benarek on his day. And, um, I think you'll probably replace Jack Stevens. Jack Stevens will most likely be fourth choice center back, if you ask me.
0: All right, no, I think that's that's all right. And I I do think that Jack Stevens is a little better than Yoshida is on the ball, but I think in terms of of leadership in the back line and things like that, I think Yoshida is definitely the uh, the guy there. So, um, moving on to a question from one of the patrons uh, over at Patreon dot com forward slash SFC Delivery. Uh, you can sign up to be a patron. One of the things you get in addition to a private chat on, on discord, uh, some patron only posts and, and potentially, uh, an extra podcast per month is a uh, priority for you having your questions answered. So Kevin has sent in this question. He says, social media, the negativity on there is astonishing. Sometimes do you think the players and staff take any notice of it? Uh, and he kind of goes on to say like, if so, it can't possibly be helpful. Um, and, and i and I think about people just tagging Fraser Forrester in posts and telling him he's terrible uh you know going back always. I think of people doing it the same thing to Nathan Redmond to Wesley Hoot to you know I think Jack Stevens was tagged in quite a few today um and and i and I know I've talked on it talked about it on here before that it's you know there's there's a person on the other side of that of that handle, you know, there's a guy who's going to come back to his locker after he takes a shower, after he does his recovery stuff and whatever. And sure, he's probably going to get in his nice car and drive home, but he's also going to have to see what people have said about him. And, you know, there are, uh, there are, I've heard stories of, of mothers of, of professional athletes that basically just say like, don't tell your, don't, don't search your kid's name on Twitter. You know, it'll just ruin, uh, your night or whatever. But, I mean, there's a, there's a line somewhere between giving criticism and then taking criticism and people just being kind of belligerent, right?
1: Yep. I think it's really unfair on people like Fraser Forster and Nathan Redmond when he had bad form, right? Like, really, like, come on, support your player, you know what I mean? Like, if you're not going to motivate them, might as well just stay silent because if you just make them feel bad, it's not really going to help them, in my opinion. And um, you might as well support the players all you can.
0: I mean, just personally, I... I mean, every match day or before every match day, we I, we always put out some sort of a match day graphic. A player goes on there, and for me, I won't tag a player in it, even though I sometimes I want to tag the player, um, in there. But I won't do it if there's anything, I guess if there's anything negative about him or any of the other, any of the other players on the team, it's you know sometimes you say so and so's going to come in because s- somebody else has been playing poorly and it's like you know what like that the players don't need to be in that i'm just I, I just think that it, if if anybody knows they've been playing poorly it's them you know like they have to know they are professional athletes they've been doing this their entire lives like most likely they have an understanding of how the game works and they know if they make mistakes it probably doesn't need to so for me unless i'm giving them like some sort of direct encouragement keep your head up you know uh, Jan, Valerie, we're behind you, keep it you know you learn from it, but whatever that's fine, but like any anything else any, any or you wanna congratulate him on a goal or whatever um I think that's great, but I just think that the the idea that I i don't know that 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 because you can tag him in there and because you 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 can say whatever you want that it maybe necessarily has to happen,
1: yeah, I think it's rather um like um, I, I, unless it's praise, I mean at least you have a reason to tag the player right but. If it's criticism, just leave them alone. That, that's that's how I see it because you're not gonna help by criticizing them.
0: Yeah, and I and I definitely don't want to be like on my high horse here about this. That's not what this is about. It's just I it's just the way I think about, about using it and, and kind of what goes into my decision making process when I decide to tag a player or, or not. And you know, I don't know. It, it I sometimes I think players do should be criticized and, and, and I think there's a way to go about it in and even you know, tag them in, in some criticism. There's, I think there's a way to say things that, that is right. And that will get your point across and not also make you, make you come off like, you know, like you are some sort of, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's just no, there's no need for some of that stuff sometimes, but you know, at the same time, people are free to do whatever they want and, uh, and they will, it's, um, you know, but I, I guess, I guess, yeah, I guess, I guess you, I can't control anybody else. And I can't control how the players react, but I, I do know. I mean, think about, I know uh, Fraser Forrester had had blocked quite a few Saints accounts. I know Wesley Hoot had blocked quite a few Saints accounts. I mean,
1: Wesley Hoot blocked my main account, actually.
0: <laughs> it's I mean, that, see, I, and there's a thing, is when, you know, I, all the stuff I've just said, but when Wesley Hoot goes and blocks everybody's account because you mentioned him and I, there was any criticism there. Like you can't, maybe you can do that. Maybe that's his way of not of not having to see it and, and just kind of make his life a little bit better, pretend it's not there or whatever it is. But like, you know, like, phrase it, man. Like, you made a bunch of mistakes. People are going to get frustrated. People are going to, you know, do that. And and maybe it was just the the way and people were going about it. He man, he just had to block basically everyone.
1: Yeah, I mean, and fair play to him because who knows? Like, he was obviously struggling. Like. Remember when he, when he made that mistake against Bournemouth last season and he, uh-huh. and he essentially led to the goal? Remember how like he conceded the own goal against Liverpool and then the own goal against Man City like Wesley who was getting a lot of hate, obviously and um, and yeah, I mean like I would have done exactly the same, but like obviously it was to a big extent, but he just didn't want it to affect his playing. you know he just wanted to live his own life. He does not care about people on Twitter. And even Shane Long last season, he complained about all the fans on Twitter giving him hate. And yeah, like honestly, I like like I don't get what all the negativity towards players is for. Like the fan base obviously turns on some players really quick. Some people they they complain. Some people say Redmond was about race. Some people say Forrester was about faking depression to get into the team. I disagree with all that. I mean, like just let the players do their job. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Uh, Austin's had some some run-ins with the. Uh with people on online as well. Um, and I was going to say that, that Wesley Hoot now, since he's gone to Celta Vigo has, has begun posting on Instagram again, um, which is something that he was, he wasn't doing a lot of when he was, when he was at Saints the last couple of the last few months. But um looking forward. We have Cardiff, we have Arsenal, we have Fulham. And then the, the matches get a little bit tougher after that, not the, the Arsenal match uh, isn't tough, but uh, obviously we've proven that we can, we can play with them a little bit. Um, we'll see what kind of form they're in by the time they, that that game comes around. But, um, you know, so, so definitely some big games on, on the horizon for us. Um, but you have been great. Uh, and, uh, thank you for doing this. I know we, we got messed up with the time a little bit, so I apologize about that, but, uh, it
1: was my fault anyway.
0: (laughs) No, no, it's all good. It's all good. Um, But it's nice we got it done. Uh, We're in, and uh, you know the show keeps rolling on. The Saints will keep rolling on, and uh, I'm sure Prem Worldwide will continue to roll on as well.
1: Well, I hope so, man.
0: Um, So if people want to follow you, they can head on over to Instagram and check out Prem Worldwide, and also uh, the links to those uh, or to that profile is in the show notes, and also uh, your Twitter profile is also down there, so people can uh, get in contact or, or give you a follow if they want. Um, Definitely, but yeah, but I, I just want to thank you again for coming on. It's been a, it's been a blast. It's always good to talk to you and, uh, get a different perspective on things. And, uh, I wish you kind of all the best and we'll hopefully stay in touch.
1: Yeah. I hope so, man. It was great being on the show.
0: Yeah. We'll talk to you next time. And that does it for this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Special thanks this week goes out to Dan Adam, who's at Prem Worldwide on Instagram. If you're not already following, go do so. Uh, he's got a lot of good stuff going on. Um, and he makes me laugh, which is, which is always good. Sometimes sometimes you need it. because If you don't laugh sometimes, then you cry. If you're on there if you're on Instagram and you want to follow this show as well you can do that we're at SFC D-E-L-L underscore I-V-E-R-Y we're at the same thing on Twitter we're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery there is no underscore in the Facebook address if you haven't already done so you can subscribe to this show on iTunes Stitcher Acast Google Play or wherever you listen to podcasts and if you're interested you can go support the show on Patreon you get some added benefits uh, but really you listening is just enough for me This show could not happen without some of our partners and some help from you. So first of all, thanks for listening. Thank you to the patrons who support the show and keep it running. Uh, And also thanks to Matt Bealing of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram for doing the logo for the show. Matt has been on the show a number of times. He's been a huge help since day one. I couldn't do it without him. So thank you, Matt. Uh, The Southampton page is our partner page. And for all your needs... All Your Saints needs, whether you're on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, be sure to visit the at Southampton page. Uh, They'll keep you up to date with everything that's going on. music for the show comes courtesy of the free music archive at freemusicarchive.org the intro song is epic song by box scott games and the end of show credits that you're listening to right now is aim is true by Poddington bear the links to those are in the show notes if you are interested at all uh, thank you so much for listening we will be back next week after cardiff to talk about it and to look forward and hopefully we're moving up the table just a little bit uh, but until then <coughs> Thanks for listening, and until next time we're together, we march on.